Welcome to you all today. First, let me say Happy Father's Day. We want to honor all the wonderful fathers and grandfathers among us at Elam City Church. Please know that even though we are not together celebrating as we usually do, you are remembered with great love and appreciation. The last two times I've shared with you, I've spoken on legacy and loyalty. I'd like to finish off this series on another word beginning with L, the greatest word, love. That is the love of God that has been given to us by the Father when he sent his son Jesus to bring us back into relationship with him. I realize that in the few minutes that we have to share, we would never be able to give justice to this wonderful topic. So I felt to zero in on the love aspect as it has to do with how the Father's heart is all about restoring. This aspect of love started to be imprinted on my mind while speaking to one of our people at Elam who shared with my husband and I how the Lord had been giving him verses on restoration. How many know today that Father God is a God who restores? Hallelujah. This is so encouraging. So despite the things that have happened in our lives, maybe choices we have made that didn't turn out so well, or the many times that so many people have become victims of circumstances where they have been wronged or abused, the wonderful thing is that when any person turns to the Lord, he is well able to wipe away the past trauma or erase the word victim that has been written over some and bring his restoration. There's a line in a song that is current at the moment. It says this, I'm not afraid to show you my weakness, my failures and flaws. Lord, you've seen them all and you still call me friend. Sometimes we can look at our lives and get totally depressed and feel that inner anxiety building up. Also, we can be quite prone to feel guilty. Let me just say this at the outset. Guilt is never, ever coming to us from our Father. Guilt is always from the enemy of our souls who would like to keep us in defeat and discouragement. The Father does discipline us, but it's done in a loving manner. In Hebrews 12, verse 7, it says, Submit to the correction for the purpose of discipline. God is dealing with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his Father does not discipline? As we know, a good father will correct his children as they grow up because of his love for them. An absentee father or a father who is emotionally not present will leave a child do what they want whenever they want. This doesn't portray a caring, protective love. The opposite of love is not hate but indifference. I've come to the place where I know my father God's discipline is for my good. His discipline and his coaching brings restoration. Let's check out this word, restore. This is the definition, to bring back to or put back something to a former original state. Now, very importantly, listen to this. The biblical meaning goes on even further than that because you discover as you look at some pertinent verses about restoration or follow the lives of certain people in the word that the Father doesn't just restore to the original state but restores to even greater than the original condition. How amazing is that? So quickly today, let's look at two aspects of God's restoration again. As the last two times I've shared, we will look at how we respond as individuals. Secondly, as the church. He wants to bring his restoration into these two very important aspects of our journey with him. When we read the word, we can see very clearly that it has always been the Father's heart to bring back to himself what the enemy took away. Let's look at Job as an example. 
as you read what happened to this poor man, it's devastating. We don't have time today to get into it. However, this guy lost all his family, his great fortune, and got deathly sick. He went through quite the process, even having friends come to visit. And instead of bringing comfort, they brought discomfort. However, when you come to the last chapter, you see that God not only restored everything to him, but gave him back more than he had originally. During this time of suffering, Job did not curse God. He kept believing, totally unwavering in his faith, and made this wonderful statement in chapter 19, verses 25 to 27. I know my Redeemer lives, and that in the end he will stand on the earth, and after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes. How my heart yearns within me. Despite everything he had gone through, he had put his hope and faith in God, and in this passage, he's actually prophesying of the coming Redeemer, Jesus, God of restoration. Also in the New Testament, there's a parable which speaks of restoration, the parable of the prodigal son. The son left his father's home to go and have a time of what he thought would give him freedom. He took his inheritance and things went from bad to worse. One day he came into what the Bible says, his right mind, by literally sitting among the pigs, eating pig food, and said to himself, I will return to father's house even as a servant my life will still be better than it is right now. He began his trek home, and to his astonishment, there was his father waiting on the road for him, waiting to welcome him back, arms open wide, ordering that a party be planned in celebration for his homecoming, and giving him a brand new wardrobe of clothes. The father in this parable is such a wonderful picture of our father God, always waiting for the return of his sons, always prepared to restore, as I said earlier, to bring restoration back to something even better than it was originally. God of restoration. I just want to encourage you all today, whatever you've gone through or whatever you're presently going through, whether it be yourself or a family member, please know that he is a God of restoration. Restoration has always been his heart, even before the foundation of the world. His great heart of love is to restore, to make new, to bring back into his original plan for your life or the life of a loved one. May we take on the attitude of Job, never curse God, but actually deliberately choose to stand on his promises. There will be restoration. Turn to him for comfort and healing. Don't be afraid to do that. So often there can be a fear associated with the past because many have tried to bury their pain because it hurts so much. However, know this, that like the father in the parable, his arms are wide open to receive you. He is the healer. He is the Lord of restoration. Secondly, let's look at his church. There's a wonderful scripture in Isaiah 58, 11 to 12. This is what it says. You will be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And your people will rebuild the ancient ruins. You will raise up and restore the age-old foundations that have been laid waste. You will be called repairer of the breach, restorer of streets with dwellings. Now, I know that this was was a word of God to Israel, but I feel that the Lord is speaking the same thing to us as his people in this generation also. Let's unpack it for a few minutes. I think it's good to ask ourselves the question, does this portray us? Are we, the church, actually implementing this truth into the lives of the people around us in our sphere of influence? I'm sure you would agree with me today that if ever there was a need to rebuild and restore, it's today. Let's look at it in two parts. You will be like a watered garden. 
There is something so nice and refreshing about a garden that's just been watered on a summer day. There's a fresh aroma. There's a springing up of the flowers and plants that are growing. Even though they were parched, the water brings back to life. Do you know that we can be, and in fact should be, those people who bring refreshing to people? Bringing the water of life from Jesus, who is the spring of life, to those who are weary, parched, and feel that they've been in a wilderness for so long. First of all, it's important that we ourselves are not dry and parched. And we shouldn't be, because if we are drinking continually from the well, Christ Jesus, we will always have enough to give to others. Getting back to Job's friends, they were not refreshing him. They were making his situation worse. I'm sure you would agree that it wouldn't be a good thing if people don't want anything to do with us. Please keep that person away from me. They don't make me feel better. In fact, I feel worse. They just don't understand. They have no empathy. They just lecture. They don't know how to listen. By the way, listening is an art we need to learn because so often people just need to be heard. And that in itself will bring refreshing. It's very important that we allow others to talk, not just talk about ourselves all the time. So yes, we are to be like a well-watered garden that can restore and bring refreshing to others, so much so that people will welcome us. They will want to have us around because we will be ministering Jesus to them, who said of himself that he was the living water. And whoever would drink of him would never thirst again. Hallelujah. Let's continue to drink deeply of him. Let's go on to the next part. You will rebuild the ancient ruins. You will restore the foundations that have been laid waste. You will be called repairer of the breach, restorer of the streets. I remember hearing three politicians here in Canada being asked this following question some years ago. What do you think the church's role is in the nation? Two gave very unsatisfactory answers. However, one gave the right answer. He said, the church's role is to be the prophetic voice in the nation. What an amazing answer. He was absolutely correct. How many know today that being a prophetic voice in the nation is about being able to speak into injustices, uphold the ones who are being marginalized, defend suffering children, defend the elderly, speak up and not be silent when we hear comments that are discriminatory? Unfortunately, many times at the church we are just happy being ensconced within our very own lovely Christian culture and in a sense bury our heads in the sand. However, we are called as his church to speak out his righteous rule, not, by the way, speaking out a bunch of man-made Christian rules, but speaking out words that will repair and bring awareness to societal breakdown, words that can restore good, healthy foundations, words that can begin to heal up the broken, tragic things that have been a part of so many people's lives in society and have been perpetuated down through generational lines. We can start by individually building relationships with people, having people come to a level of trust with us. Then at the God-given moment, we can point people to Jesus, the only one who can repair and restore every word that comes from our mouths individually and collectively as the church should be words that restore and heal and bring about the feeling of safety and assurance that our God is able. I was struck last Sunday by what Terry, one of the men on the online message, said last week. 
Growing up in the church from a child into adulthood, he had very often felt unsafe, unsure out in the world, and sometimes threatened because of the color of his skin. However, when he met weekly with God's people, he felt totally safe, secure, loved, protected, strengthened, ready to face the world again. He also said this privately, that his pastor even knew how he liked his hamburger. Not only was he nurtured by his biological parents, but also nurtured by his pastor and church family. I've heard that testimony over and over again from so many people, not just people of color, but also people who have gone through much suffering or have experienced mental and emotional abuse. People who have lost so much, sometimes by the very people who should have loved and protected them. How wonderful, though, that they can feel the love of God through us, the church, and receive hope that they are in the process of being restored to emotional health and wellness. Isn't that what the church is about? A place of speaking in the prophetic sense into situations that have been hopeless, laying proper foundations, demonstrating the restoring power of our mighty God. The prophetic is not just limited to inside the church building, surely. We all who are in Christ Jesus have access to hearing his words, hearing heaven's perspective on issues, and speaking them out to the weary. God of restoration. Finally, what about repairer of the breach, restorer of streets? I want to share this next phrase as a challenge to us all. When I think about this phrase, I'm reminded of Nehemiah, who was among the number of the Jewish nation who had been taken into captivity in Babylon. He had a prestigious occupation, although in captivity, his job was wine taster for the king. He was safe, prosperous, and well thought of. However, he heard that Jerusalem, his home, was in a mess. The walls of the city in ruins, and he became very saddened. This, after all, was his nation that was in disarray. And not only that, but vulnerable to even more enemy attack. He asked permission from the king to leave his comfortable position and go back to investigate for himself. With the intention of building the walls back up. As we read the account, we see that despite incredible opposition, despondency, and division, the wall was repaired. He completed the work, and there was a huge celebration because change had been achieved. Nehemiah had been given strategy by God. He was in partnership with him. Jerusalem was no longer in ruins. Breaches had been repaired. Can we, the church, rebuild and repair breaches in walls that have come to ruin? Can we be the restorer of streets? Can society be affected by the love of God in us? Can we receive his strategy as we partner with Holy Spirit? Can we then be people of restoration? Can we respond to the great needs around us? Can we wake up to the fact that we have been called to be those agents of change in society? It's not actually a matter of can we, it's a case of we collectively should be. Look, this is not a fairy tale. Let's look at history to see how this has happened. In the past, here are just one or two examples of individuals who became God's change agents. In 18th century Britain, the nation had sunk into decadence and immorality. Parts of the church at that time had even descended into paganism. The streets were not safe for anyone to be on. However, the nation began to change and repent, and this was precipitated by two men simply preaching under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, John Wesley and George Whitfield. Literally thousands of people began to respond to their message. There was great repentance, and hundreds upon hundreds encountered Jesus. Even though society had been in ruin, restoration had begun. 
There was another man named Robert Rakes, who in 1780 had the novel idea of starting a Sunday school. This moved on from a neighborhood venture to 300,000 children being reached, fed, and taught just within five years. By 1910, there was well over five million children in Sunday school. The next generation who would take up the reins of leadership in the country were being restored despite what had been the norm of society up until that time. Then there were men like William Wilberforce and Lord Shaftesbury who encountered Jesus instead of religion and became fervent evangelicals. They became agents of huge societal change. Wilberforce, for example, was the force behind the abolishing of the slave trade. We could go on, if time permitted, and see how so many were gripped by the need to restore breaches and heal streets. God gave them the strategy and the courage against all odds, against the ridicule of many, to forge ahead and change not only their nation but other nations also. May we never forget the purpose of the church. Those verses in Isaiah portray what a big part of our mandate is. We may never be called upon to do some of those things that others in history accomplished. However, we must be alert and well-armed to do what we can, to be courageous in speaking out and doing the little we can all individually do, which will add to the whole. Jesus said that even a cup of cold water in his name brings a reward. The reward that I want and I'm sure you would agree with me, is to see multitudes come to know Jesus as Lord. These are days of opportunity to bring the good news. A friend who is not a Christian said to me this past week, you know, with everything we are experiencing and everything we see happening around, around the world, we can't help but see that what is written in the Bible is coming to pass. He may not have believed that before, but he does now. Right at that moment, I was handed a golden opportunity to share the love of Jesus. Society all around us is crying out for restoration, for healing, for broken down walls to be built up. It is only the gospel of the kingdom that can bring lasting change. Nehemiah left his comfort. Many of the others we have mentioned today even gave up their affluence and brought change. Agents of the Lord Jesus Christ, who alone is the change maker and the way maker. Ladies and gentlemen, we are the church. We are the ones who are to represent him on earth. It's time to start to inquire as to what he would have us say and do for his great name's sake. We all have a calling. We all have a purpose. Together we can make a difference. Together we can be the prophetic voice in our nation. Together we can make his name famous in our land. It's not the magnitude of what we do. It's more about having his heart and passion to bring change for his name's sake and the cause of it. His kingdom, following his love mandate of bringing things back into restoration. We are kingdom ambassadors. We are to speak into, repair, build up. We are to have his heart of restoration. We are to have his mind, his passion for those who are broken. Lord, we want to have your heart of restoration. We want to rebuild walls that have been broken down. We want to see healing on our streets. We ask for your guidance and your anointing in the days ahead. Will you join me today in this prayer? Father, we want to thank you that out of your great heart of love, you have restored us. You have repaired those things which were broken in our lives. You have laid down good foundations in our lives. We can look back and see what you have accomplished in us, and we stand amazed. Now we want to be able to share and speak into others' lives who are longing for refreshment, longing to be restored. And we would ask that as we continually find ourselves drinking at your well, that we would always be cognizant of the need to be ready to pour living water into the lives of others. 
we also realize that this is a day of opportunity. Whereas the word says men's hearts are failing them for fear. May we be able to speak your peace into their fear. May we speak into societal ills. May we bring heaven's word for the weary, the broken, the suffering. We realize also that brokenness is not limited to the less affluent, but also to the affluent. We are aware that restoration must come to all, whatever their economic status. So Lord, we would be like Nehemiah and be ready to leave our comfort zone, even the comfort of our Christian culture, and be prepared to receive your strategy for the times we are living in. You are knocking on the church's door, even today, and asking to come in. May we open the door wide for your great and majestic entrance. In the strong name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. The Apostle Paul writes, Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice, strive for full restoration, encourage one another, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Thank you for tuning in. We will see many of you in person next Sunday at 10 o'clock. Remember, once again, you are loved. You have been restored. God bless you.